Life. Program are pre recorded. Talk of the town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogle. I'm Jason Steve from the Crude Life. You can get your Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. <laughs> and uh, Jason, how are you doing, my friend? I'm not too bad today on this. Uh, well, I suppose it is Valentine's Day today, isn't it? It um, is. Bad. Okay, so give Moochie a, a big sloppy wet one for me. Best female relationship I've ever had in my life is with my dog. You know, I can honestly say that. You know, it's so funny. I'll just kind of do a little sidebar here before we get into the beaten potatoes. But, um, of course, those people, I've lost my voice yesterday yelling for Moochie to come back. She got into a very large open field with some uh rabbits all over the place so anyway um uh for those that don't know who moochie is moochie is a stray dog that uh came into my life in the year 2020 during june and i was at a public event and all of a sudden out of nowhere there was a hundred people there there you know it was cops were there the media was there and this dog just velociraptors me right from the side starts hovering around me won't leave me alone for three hours so i'm like okay well i guess i'm gonna take care of this stray dog and we went through all the proper channels you know lost pets and i checked craig's list and facebook and as well as you know tried to find the owner and stuff but after a couple months you know i just thought well this is meant to be now because she chose me out of a crowd of a hundred and and I often joke, Steve, because my biggest uh, issue I've had with relationships when it comes to women is I've uh, always let them walk all over me. You know, I've always kind of had no boundaries. I just wanted to please and I just really wanted to, you know, be a nice guy. This dog has come into my life to make me more of an alpha male. That's how I look at it. So with the pack animals and everything. So it's uh, Moochie is... Help me grow with a little bit more alpha male instincts and relationships. So that's how I kind of view that. So how are you doing today? What do you got planned for tonight? Uh, well, it's, uh, let's see, what am I doing tonight? Um, Not a good I'm, sign. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> I, I'm hoping my wife is not listening uh, because I've You have a big surprise meal. planned. I get it. Yes. No, a huge I, I, surprise. I, I, I've cooked your favorite meal and a bottle of wine, and uh, um, I've got somebody watching our dogs for us because we've got two puppies that need attention, and uh, we're going to spend some quality us time together. We have very hectic lives and are very busy doing many, many different things, so we're going to have a little downtime. Well, you know, <clears throat> some of the best uh, Valentine's days are the ones spent indoors, you know, or at home not going out to eat and trying to kind of some people just don't like going out to eat you know they just kind of like having like what you just mentioned just get all those additional stresses taken care of and let's just have a nice quiet home doing nothing and maybe falling asleep by eight o'clock who knows type of a thing well, that's a good get, valentine's for many we never get downtime we're just always go 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 and Weekend rolls around and it's like, okay, let's catch up on stuff around the house and training puppies and busy doing things that we didn't get to do all weekend and or all week. So <clears throat> we really don't get downtime unless we go somewhere. Yeah, well, 
This is a Valentine's staycation. That, that's the plan. Did you ever have any Valentine's Day fails? <laughs> How long is this program? Now, well, I figured we might as well at least do the first segment with some Valentine's talk. I mean, we're halfway in already, so. <laughs> well, why not? You know, if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey can have a good Valentine's Day, why not everybody, right? I still stand by my prediction that after the Super Bowl, and it's probably going to be next year now, they're going to get engaged at the 50-yard line. They're going to say they're going to Disneyland or Disney World for their Super Bowl hub honeymoon type thing. And then Travis Kelsey is going to take Taylor Swift's last name and become Travis Swift. You've heard it right here, folks. The prediction is in. So what you're saying is he's going to become a kept man. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs just might defeat the Minnesota Vikings next year in a very okay. symbolic. <laughs> Do they have the colors all picked out already? Or? You know, I'm not even sure, but um, the Vikings, they should probably be favored. I imagine the Detroit Lions are going to be the number one seed from the NFC. Oh, I, besides the 49ers, of course, uh, they actually look pretty good in free agency. But um, the Chiefs, they're looking to be a dynasty. They really are. They're looking to, you know, it's so funny because, there's a uh, there, there, there's a really uh, insightful book. The author's name is Neil Howe. And I had him on a, my nighttime live program about 15 years ago when he first wrote the book. And what he did was he traced generations all the way back to the Roman Empire. And a generation, of course, is 20 years. And when you take a look at society, you go through four different generations. So there's one that's called the silent generation. There's another one, you know, with the baby boomers, baby boomers, where the growth starts happening. And then you've got the Gen X where they just kind of are lost and in, in kind of getting or not lost. I'm sorry, because the final uh, one is the lost generation. So you have the Gen X that kind of become the latch keys, you know, so you got the silent then you've got the baby boom growth and then you've got the Gen X kind of latch key. And then you've got the silent generation because they're getting direction from 15 different authority figures because entitlement has gone so far out of whack that you have to bring in a dictator. So then you go to the silent generation again. Okay. So Neil Howe, he kept writing, he wrote about these, how it just happens like clockwork. And of course, look at the position we're in right now to where this uh, generation of millennials and, and Gen Zs are lost. They're getting told by 15 different pieces of authority what the right answer is and what the law is and they don't know left from right anymore and so we're uh, kind of ushering in that new way i don't know how i got off on that little tangent by the way that just kind of happened organically steve what the heck brought me there because i have no idea but uh we'll just go with it because actually when we come back from the break i want to talk because one of the things i wanted to talk about was work ethic because i run into a situation um i got into a discussion last weekend with some friends of mine from out of state and I met them because they were work acquaintances. Oh, I NFL I remember working out of state long time ago and it used to be that, Oh, you're from North Dakota. Well, apples to apples, you're hired. It, no question about it. It was because of the work ethic. I want to talk about that because I think you stumbled onto something that uh, I wanted to go down that road anyway. 
So but, we but before we go to break, I just want to finish my my thought. Okay, the, the where I was going with it is that yes, the NFL is rigged because every twenty years you have a new generation, and they said twenty years ago this Super Bowl is when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. So now Patrick Mahomes is set up to be the next generational quarterback to take us on this nice uh, ride. So, yeah, and then, you know, of course, you have Taylor Swift and those uh, nice little um, Illuminati symbols that were uh, that, that were flashed by Icy Pop or Icy whatever her name is. Man, the NFL being rigged is so much more fun now. So, anyways, that's what I had, Steve. <laughs> Um, before we hit the break, um, uh, your biggest Valentine's day fail. Oh, so what I did was, um, my girlfriend at the time, let's hold those until after the break. We'll go to that. And, uh, then we'll get into, uh, we'll talk about work, work ethic as well. Uh, this is talking to town on super. 1270. I'm Steve Bach along with Jason Spies from the crude life. You can get your crude life Sunday mornings, 10 AM right here on super talk, 1270. Super talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Biden. I'm Jason Peace from the Cruise Life on a wattage Wednesday. And, right, well, we're going to get to some energy stuff here in a little bit. But I, I, we're going to finish up on our little rant on, um, before we get into work ethic even, uh, Valentine's Day fail. The you and I are as bad as Marlo and I because it's like squirrel, squirrels rule the world. And it's, it's which, which rabbit hole are we going down now? The squirrels do rule the world. We all know that. They, 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 they set the agenda for the Geneva Conference. I thought we learned that in high school. I'm just kidding. So, um, so my biggest Valentine's, Valentine's my biggest Valentine's fail was, uh, I believe I was in my early 20s. And I went to my girlfriend's. I got let in by her roommate to her uh, apartment. And I filled her room full of uh, streamers. You know, the, the pink and the red and the, and the white streamers and I had hearts hanging on there and I put rose petals all over her bed and filled the entire floors with about 500 balloons. And I just, you know, wanted to have this like over the top, whatever was, you know, this was during the extreme days, right? You know, remember that when, when every when Jerry Springer was on TV and World Wrestling Federation was having strip shows and all kinds of stuff was going on at that time. So I got caught up in the extreme energy, I think, and went a little overboard with maybe some of my, um, you know, that sort of thing. That wasn't the issue. The fail was status, though. You you didn't venture into the stalker status. No, this was no. This was like a a four-year girlfriend at the time, right? So this was, you know, I just wanted to really exert a lot of love into my energy, right? Well, the fail was is that when the door opened, the balloons started popping one at a time, one after another, and it scared the livid crap out of her. And all I think she's still afraid of balloons to this day from that experience. So here I'm trying to exert this energy of love, and I gave her a traumatic, traumatic experience for life. You weren't dressed as the clown from It, were you? I, I just might might as well should have been. I mean, it would have it might have saved me because <laughs> actually she was a fan of it. <laughs> she read that back when it first came out. Ironically, uh, or not ironically, coincidentally. So anyway, so yeah, I put a lot of work into that man, and it kind of backfired. Unintended okay, so, consequences. 
unintended so, consequences, Steve. There we go. So my biggest one was I had done a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. So it was a bunch of little clues left. Okay. And I wasn't very good at timing things out or maybe I assumed that the clues would be found quicker than they were found. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a four-hour ordeal for because I was I was not there while she was I, I the last clue led to me and where I was going to be at and the plans we had for later and and uh, yeah <laughs> about four hours into it I get a phone call where the hell are you I'm like well I'm at, did you get the oh no. She she missed one of the clues, found a different clue by accident, and it threw everything off. It's, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so it took like another 45 minutes for us to connect that night. It was oh, like, wow. It was for dinner plans and movie and all the Valentine stuff. Yeah. So, uh, again, if you're making Valentine plans today and you want to get a little creative, I would strongly advise to adhere to the KISS principle. Mm-hmm. Because I did not. <laughs> I was going to say yes. Less is more, but less is more. so much more appropriate for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was my fail. Oh wow, that's something else, man. That's pretty good. That's uh, you know, I mean, but to be honest, you kind of just gave her some errands on Valentine's Day. Here you go, honey. Go run some errands. We'll see you later. Well, it turned into one big rabbit hole is basically what it did. Oh, man. That's that's some good stuff there. Yeah, I tell you, back, back when, um, of course, we were doing a lot more call-in radio and talk shows and stuff like that. That, that. that was a fun show we did at one time. I remember we did Valentine's Fails, and people called in with their stories and, and uh, heartaches and et cetera along those lines. We should do one sometime. We should do... You know what? We should open the phone lines again sometime. That'd be kind of fun or bring on some guests and just get some variety. Maybe go around and interview people. That's kind of the new trend now. You just, you kind of, you kind of ambush people and talk to them. They like that, it seems. So anyway. Well, that's kind of the whole man on the street vibe. And, and, yeah. uh, well, you remember where a lot of that started. Um, so the two places that the out on the street reporter really started was one, uh, jaywalking, remember that mm-hmm. on the Tonight Show? Yep, yep. And that, so that was one that really kind of ushered in a lot of that. And gee, you, you talk about that um, generational, and things come back around. Well, who's back on the Daily Show? John Stewart, and he's the one that started a lot, a lot of that, and. Uh, that was actually the starting segments for Stephen Colbert, which not his biggest fan anymore. But I, back then, it was it was pretty good segments, and that's where a lot of that you know ambush somebody on the street and get their take, and and it was the late night talk show circuit. You know, not to sidebar, but I only we we got just about a minute or two left in the segment, so I kind of want to do a little Cliff Clavin with Stephen Colbert because (laughs) Stephen Colbert should be taught in like 400 level marketing classes because 
what people don't understand about Stephen Colbert is that he act where Stephen Colbert came from was a promo for a fake promo, meaning that they had no intention to do the Stephen Colbert character after they filmed some one-off fake promo. And because that one-off fake promo got so much interest, they then kind of created this character and it took off so much, it became a reoccurring thing to where now he's like the host of The Tonight Show. I mean, that that is what I'm talking about to where there are so many sticks of opportunity that if you cannot take off your blinders or your rosy-colored political interest glasses, you miss those opportunities because they're all over the place. And Jon Stewart, when you think about Jon Stewart and his politics – his politics generally comes second. He tries to look for the absurdity in the system first. And when he finds the absurdity in the system, then the politics come from other people. But yeah. John Stewart, if you look at the core of what he does and what the core of Stephen Colbert does, they just look for the hypocrites and the absurdity of the system. And other people label them the political stuff. So go ahead. Well, did you tell you what? Let's finish that up and we'll get into work ethic stuff uh, a little bit later. Uh, this is Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Don't miss a Hannity show. I know that there is a segment of, of society that would love a perpetual shutdown, and I guess we can live in a bubble, but who's going to build the bubble if everybody shuts down? Weekday afternoon, starting at 2 on Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bogdan. I'm here on Super Talk 1270. Before we go to a little bit, I want to finish up on the John Stewart's back on The Daily Show. And I used to love The Daily Show well before the Trevor Noah days. And it was... He went after everybody. I appreciated it because it was about being funny. It was about comedy. And if you crossed the line and did something stupid, the letter behind your last name didn't matter. You were fair game for the full frontal comedy throws that you were going to get projected into. John mm-hmm. Stewart was a master of that. It didn't matter who you were. You're all fair game. Um did you catch uh, his opening show on Monday night? I did not see the show. I saw a couple clips pop up on my social media feeds, and I uh, watched a couple of the clips. And didn't it didn't look like he missed a beat from what I saw. It looked like he'd no. been there the whole time. Well, he may have missed a half a beat because one of the things I noticed on the show was he did a really good job of Yep, I'm going after everybody. But if you remember back in the day with with uh, John Stewart, it was effortless. So he just kind of the political pundits did the stupid crap like they all do. He just teed it up and go with it. He actually was putting some work into trying to go back and forth from one side to one side. So, for example, instead of, okay, if Trump says something stupid or does something stupid, 
then that stands on its own. If Biden says something stupid or does something stupid, then it stands on its own. But he was trying to almost broker or reclamate the two, and it was a little clumsy. Now, granted, it was the first show, but with him being back, but bringing just, in a whole new staff of correspondents. Yeah. It was so. Yeah, for example, um, and we all know about the Biden gaff, whatever the heck that was last Thursday, and. He went out of his way to, to, okay, I have to give Trump equal time here or this isn't going to go very far. So I have to give Trump equal time here. And so they cooked up this whole Trump. Well, he's got a bad memory, too, and was doing some clips. And it just it wasn't funny. Now, there's plenty of funny things that Trump does, says, like any politician. But they didn't let it stand on its own two feet because they were so concerned about, well, we need to try to portray this as being balanced and coming across as representing both sides that they they had to work at it. So, granted, again, disclaimer. So, to me, my interpretation of what you're talking about is that he's enabling some entitlement because yes. when you when yeah, because when you take a look at, you know, the personalities of somebody like Trump versus somebody like Biden, well, Trump appears to be an alpha male, okay? Biden appears not to be an alpha male. He appears to be somebody who seriously is in the early on stages of dementia, okay? And so I don't know if it's early. I, I would say from where he's at, it probably started about 10 years ago. I've been and, saying it for two years, and I, I've had people actually get mad at me. I've had people get mad at me for saying, from my experience and observations in my life, I believe Joe Biden is experiencing signs of dementia. And I actually had people get mad at me for that. Like, how dare you say that? How dare you allow somebody with dementia to lead the freaking free world? That's how I look at it. But because our uh, United States of entitlement is now catering to a culture to where we have to protect somebody as a society like Biden versus somebody like Trump. Now, listen, I think Trump is one of the biggest assholes to ever run for politics. But you know what? That's what America wanted because they were so tired of those John Hove and Kevin Kramer types the types that look at you and lie to your face. They wanted somebody like Trump to come in there and say, Ted Cruz, your wife is a dog. You know, that's what they wanted. Rand Paul, you're ugly. That's what America wanted. They didn't want somebody to stand up there and say, God is my, 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 my way of life, and then go have an affair with some girl. They don't want a politician to stand up there and say, we need to stop the insider trading. And then go and buy $250,000 worth of medical stock after a briefing like Senator Hoven. They don't want that, Steve. They want somebody who can be an alpha. But at the same time, they want to protect the weak. And right now, Biden is so weak that he's displaying signs of dementia to where you have to balance it out because you feel bad. 
the, the uh, most humans feel bad picking on people. And that's what's happening if you try to take a stand right now. If you try to take a stand against the United States of entitlement, man, they'll come at you hard. They'll come at you hard. So anyway, I'm, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but you, you've tapped into something that's and I don't care if you're the most conservative governor or conservative Republican, far right fringe, ultra, ultra. There's a part of humanity that you feel sorry for the guy. Because he's not in control of anything. He's not in control of his faculties. He's not in control of the country. He's not in control of the globe. Because somebody in that condition is just isn't. Should we go local? Let's bring it local, Steve. Let's bring it local. Because, you know, it's so easy to pick on people and give these unbelievable examples of national people. And everybody's afraid to do it locally. That's why that's why I brought brought up Senator Hoven and Senator Kramer again. Because locally we're trying to get rid of the entitlements. Senator Kramer right now is trying to socialize the carbon industry. I mean, here's this Republican who from my from my estimation has his moral his moral values have decayed down to nothing where he's actually trying to socialize the carbon industry so that John Kerry and Al Gore and Greta Thunberg have control just so Harold Hammond, Gary Theraldson can profit. Are you kidding me, Steve? Like, this is where we're at, to where the, you have you have this uh, senator up in Grand Forks, Senator Petteras up there, who gets busted by the FBI and Homeland Security for child pornography, and Senator Holman... Senator Hoven and Doug Burgum, the governor, and Senator Kramer, their official statements are that that guy's the victim. Senator Petteras up in Grand Forks is the victim. Go ahead and Google Senator Ray Holmberg and take a look at what Senator Hoven, Senator Kramer, and Governor Doug Burgum said. They let that guy retire on his own volition. Are you kidding me? The guy's under his... This is not like some rinky-dink operation. This is like Homeland Security and the FBI. All right, we're, and, we're up against the break, and we'll finish that when we come back because you, you tapped into something, too, with the Careful the now. Super Bowl. You tapped into the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I want to bring that up because um, one of the events that – it was funny with Tony Romo, and I'll talk about that when we come back. This is Talk of the Town with Jason Speed. I'm Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bakken. I'm with Jason Speed from Light. You can get the Light Sunday morning, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Uh, Jason, uh, you're yeah. talking about the local side of stuff. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, what's going on in Washington, trying to, you know, clean things up on the local level. But in Washington, it's different. And uh, that was a lot of faith I think people had in uh Trump is he was able to drain, drain the swamp, and we, we never saw that happen. I mean, just I, I don't know if it's too big to drain. Um, it's kind of like trying to drain Okeechobee. It's just not going to happen. Um, it's just easier to build another swamp. That's what they do. They just right. they just make right. another swamp. Yeah. You brought up the insider trading stuff. I, mean, yeah. I don't know if you saw the TikTok. You know, and I'm not I'm not a subscriber of TikTok. Somebody sent it to me. Although apparently now President Joe Biden, even though it's illegal to have 
TikTok on government devices is now on TikTok. Subscribe to TikTok. That's how desperate his handlers are at getting him reelected. So a different discussion. Um, but there was a TikTok user that, and this was brilliant, decided to game the system. So he puts this big bet down in Las Vegas and that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl because you could bet on anything around the Super Bowl. And then he proceeded to go buy a Super Bowl ticket. And then he was the streaker. And there was a senator who accused him of inside baseball, a little insider trading. When you go back and look up the records, that senator, guess what he does? Insider trading, because that's how you get rich in Washington, D.C. You wait until there's a bill that's coming up for a pharmaceutical product and it's going to get FDA approval and then you vote on that bill. But you bought that stock before it ever gets there. Gee, you're going to make a boatload of money when that's now an FDA approved drug. Huh. But somebody who's a little creative and game the system when it comes to gambling gets called out by a senator who's guilty of that and more. Did you see that video? I did, and actually there's more to that story because um, because that senator called it out, Vegas canceled the bet. So, yeah. the, the, so the streaker never got paid. And so it, what's even worse is that what that senator did is he actually took away an opportunity from an, from an American citizen. And this is what the politicians do. The politicians abuse their power in order to suppress people trying to get ahead. That's, that's what Senator Hoven does. That's what Senator Kramer does. I mean, Senator Kramer right now is completely discriminated against people. Like, I, I, I actually have emails from his staff saying we only deal with preferred people. That's flat-out discrimination. I mean, this is what's happening. They are using the people's money in order to suppress the people so they can personally profit. I mean, it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. And guess what? Gen Z knows it. Generation Z is so tired of these politicians. They are so it, tired it of it. It used to be that, hey, I got a little inside track on this, and if we all keep our mouths shut, we're all going to make some money, right? Do you know who? That's do you know it, who? That's how, that's how it used to work. What, do, now, do you know who Senator Hoven got most of his money from during the last election campaign? Hmm. Pro Israel. So you can make the argument that Senator Hoven and his wife, Mikey, are personally profiting off of the war right now. You can make that argument. I mean, when you get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from pro-Israel lobbyists to go vote on keeping the war going and sending aid and that sort of stuff, yeah, you can make that argument. Absolutely you can. And it's a legitimate argument. No different than the, the one you brought up because, you know, back in 2020, five days after uh, a briefing, about, you know, some health-related coronavirus stuff. Senator Hoven bought some stock on there and profited from it, too. So this is going on locally here as well. And guess what? Gen Z knows it. 
Generation Z knows it, and they want we're to change. Up against, we're, we're up against the break. Hold that thought when we come back, because I want to finish up what I was saying, too. Uh, this is Talking the Town. I'm Steve Bakken, along with Jason Spies from The Crude Life. You can get Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Welcome to February 14th on the National Day Calendar. Today, we're exploring the heights of a timeless amusement ride and celebrating a day dedicated to love and affection. The Ferris Wheel, a staple at amusement parks and fairs, was named after George Washington Gale Ferris Jr., the engineer who designed and constructed the first large steel Ferris wheel for the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. These towering attractions continue to thrill riders all over the world, offering breathtaking views from above. On National Ferris Wheel Day, which coincides with Ferris's birthday, we appreciate the iconic ride that has been spinning smiles for well over a century. So have you ridden in the link in Vegas yet? I have. What's it like when you get to the top? I mean, can you see the whole city? Huh? You can see the whole city. And at night, it's just beautiful. It's all lit up and it goes really slow and you can drink alcohol and it's big enough to have like 10 people. In oh, wow. There. Wow. Yeah, they're huge. Quite a Ferris wheel. That's it is. Sure. It is. Yeah. From the lofty heights of a Ferris wheel, we descend to the heartwarming celebration of affection and love. Valentine's Day, celebrated in many countries around the world, is a day when people express their love for each other by sending cards, presenting flowers, or offering confectionery. Whether it's romantic love, friendship, or family love, this day is all about celebrating our connections. So let your loved ones know how much they mean to you. What are you doing, Charlie Brown? I'm waiting for Valentine. Oh, well, good luck. Thank you. You'll need it. You didn't have to say that. What are you doing to celebrate today? Oh, it's got to be about candy, right? So I'm going to hand out chocolates, mm -hmm. conversational hearts, mm -hmm. cool stuff. How about you? I am going back to grade school and I'm giving out Valentine. Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and I'm putting on people's desks along with some candy. Oh, so you're not going to write them to anonymous or anything like that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm Latoya Johnson. I'm Marvel Anderson. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate every day on Destination Celebration. Get out of my chocolate, will you? Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Can't pay? Now what do you do? I'm Daria Albinger with today's tax tip. You filed your return, and you realize you owe the IRS more than you can afford to pay right now. If you find that you can't pay the full amount by the filing deadline, and this year that deadline is April 18th, you should still file your return on time and pay as much as you can by the due date. ABC News business correspondent Alexis Christophoros says it's important to pay what you can now. That way you can avoid uh, penalty fees, late fees. You may still incur some of those, but they wouldn't be as great as if you just ignored uh, the payment. Then make arrangements to pay off the balance. Apply for an installment agreement request with the IRS. You'll be surprised to see how much the government actually wants to work with you and have you uh, pay that bill in a timely way. You may find the terms the tax man offers are better than other options like paying by credit card or taking a personal loan. With today's tax tip, Daria Albinger, ABC News. Talk of the town, weekday mornings starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app.
KROXXAM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. Talk of the Town, Bakken, weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Eisenhower. This is Sunday morning, 10 a.m. right here on Super Talk 1270. Coming up in the last hour, Jason, you had an opportunity to speak with uh, Robert Bryce, and we're going to get to that interview and uh, talk about that uh, coming up uh, before the bottom of the hour as well. But just go back to finish our thoughts. Uh, what I was bringing up was the fact that it used to be a uh, little wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, nudge, nudge, a uh, little inside baseball. Hey, we're all going to be okay on this. Boom. Every, no harm, no foul. Everybody wins, right? Well, mm-hmm. now it's got to the point where, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to profit, but by goodness, you're not. I'm going to get in the way of you profit. I'm going to get in the way of you having a little inside baseball. We've gotten to such an egotistical swamp now. So that senator that, uh, screwed up the plan for the guy from TikTok who was the streaker and put the bet on being the streaker. It's like, it's okay if the senator profits, but the streaker can't profit. Uh, and by the way, again, no harm, no foul. It's like, hey, if I'm playing a game and I figure out a shortcut, it's kind of like the hacks in video games, and I was never a big video game player, but uh, if you memorize the pattern, you could always win it in this Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. The pattern's changed. They don't want anybody else to know the new pattern. Well, sure. I mean, take a look at Robin Hood. That, that stock. That, yeah. yeah, GameStop, where they figured GameStop. out how, how they're doing the short trading scam, and so they stopped them. So that's the, there's, there's, Right there, smoking gun. They they do not want anyone to get ahead of what they're trying to do. Honestly, more when when I tell people that I'm from North Dakota, they compare it to Alabama and Mississippi all the time. Oh, all the time. It's well, no, 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 suppre- no, civil rights wise, humanitarian wise. Really? Yeah. Oh Plain yeah. Way. I mean, you, well, most people call commerce the Department of Discrimination. The way that they discriminate, you got you got Commissioner Teagan talking about if you're in solar power, you can go take a hike, and then they, some, you know, you got you got uh, with Tim Schmidt over there leading the path of discrimination. You got people asking for help with mental health, and then she gives them right back to the predators they're asking for help from to keep away from. I mean, there's example after example, and people know it. Like I said, Jen, you know, like this interview is going to go out in social media. Well, who do you think listens to these? Gen Z. Who, Steve, how much time have I invested in the youth of America? My goodness, you can go back and look at my documentation for the last 15 years, and it's all about the youth of America. I'm not telling them how to think and how to feel. I listen to them. Do you know what they call Harold Ham? What? Harold Scam. Green eggs and scam. That's what they say. Is, is that because of the CO2 and scam and everything no, associated just, with that? Or? It's because there's a giant mural of Greta Thunberg in Fargo, North Dakota, reminding everybody every day 
how much Gen Z hates oil and gas. That's why. Because every day there are people out there connecting with Gen Z, telling them how evil oil and gas is. And you know what oil and gas does? Go to the politicians and say, we need more money. We need more money. Harold Hamm came into North Dakota as a capitalist, and they converted him to a socialist in a couple years. Harold Hamm has become such a socialist. He now has Kevin Kramer promoting socialism through the carbon industry because now they get a profit off it. It is absolutely disgusting, and Generation Z knows all about it. Joe Rogan knows all about it. This is not news. It's news to North Dakota, but when you're down in Texas like I am right now, people know it. People know it. But when you control the media, people don't report it. That's why social media has taken off. That's why, yeah. So what does Gen Z do about that? Because a lot of... They get active in their own ways. You know, they get get active in their own ways. I mean... You got some Gen Z um, people that are still clueless on this. They're trying to testify testify about getting rid of fossil fuels in front of Congress. And then the, the, the politicians are saying, excuse me, do you know what your glasses are made of? And they're like, well, no. <laughs> okay. So here you want to get rid of fossil fuels or, or traditional energy sources, oil and gas, petroleum, but yet you don't even realize that everything you use is made from it. So when we talk to them, we just explain that in a very civil way, and it works really well. We, we've never had problems connecting with Gen Z. That's, and by the way, that's why we sold the crude life to a group of Gen Z women. Because they see the few, Gen, there's a group of Gen Z women, an investment group down in Texas, that sees the future of oil and gas. And they know if you know, slow and steady wins the race. So, you know, that's why, that's why we, you know, we sold the crude life was for that reason. So, right. you know, I want to, I want to come back to that because, um, you know, a lot of people may not know that you've sold the crude life, um, still involved with it on a certain well, sure. degree, but that's going to be declining. Handing off, yeah, handing off period. Yeah. So that's, that's normal with any contract. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that after the break, but before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about, um, that you're right, the Gen Z gets it. So, and coming back to where we started this conversation today, everything is cyclical. So, 20 years, it, things come back around. It's <laughs> those uh, cut-off jean shorts that you wore that was a horrible fashion statement. Guess what? They came back. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for mullets to come back at some point, but I'm sure they will. They um, did with Joe Dirt. They did. <laughs> they came back. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's true. They did. They, I mean, look at the 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 porn the the porn cop mustache came back in the seventies. It was the porn star in the nineties. Well, it was uh, you, you just have to be a cop or a firefighter. <laughs> well, in, in the nineties, it was a you know in the nineties it was a cop or a Corvette driver. In the seventies, it was a porn star, and today it was the you know the bro revolution. So yeah, this stuff does come back. It, it all comes back around. What has always been withstanding throughout that, and, and we can probably go into the little vein of socialism North Dakota's always have, going back to the bank and the elevator. And, um, but the one thing that's always been there in North Dakota that's kind of gotten away from is work ethic. And when you take a look at an apples-to-apples situation, I've worked in other places in the country. You have too. 
the one thing you always heard was that upper Midwest and beyond that, North Dakota specifically, the North Dakota work ethic. So if it was apples to apples and a business had an opportunity to hire two people and one was from somewhere else and one was from North Dakota, guess who got hired? Nine times out of ten, North Dakota got hired because people knew about that North Dakota work ethic. That's what's gotten lost in a lot of this. And that's the one thing that really hasn't carried over into that Gen Z that uh, a lot of people discount, but maybe you should give a little more faith to. But the missing common denominator is it's the work ethic. That's missing. How do we get that back, Jason? Because you don't write checks to get it back. You don't pay for it to come back. I have no idea. Um, all I can tell you is I, all I can do is give you about 15 examples of how the current leadership has destroyed the work ethic. I mean, absolutely destroyed the work ethic yeah. of people. Yeah. We, we know the path has gone down, but mm-hmm. you know, it, that's the common denominator. That's the missing factor that I, it, it's, it's not there. It's just not there. Uh, we're up against the break. Uh, Jason Spies, uh, myself, Steve Bach, and this is Talk of the Town on a Wattage Wednesday on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Super Talk 1270. I'm Steve Bach. I'm on with Jason Spies. Crude life. Happy Valentine's Edition. Wattage Wednesday. Fuck that stuff last hour. Our <laughs> we're guys. Of course, we have Valentine's fails. All guys do, and if you're sitting at your car or in your office or at home right now, listening to the show, and you're going, "No, not me," you're you're fooling yourself. We've we're guys; we're inherently prone to fail on Valentine's anniversaries and things like that. Um, so, fifteen or so things that have led to that degradation of the North Dakota work ethic. Uh, because yeah. you're right, I can run through a list of yep. We don't do this anymore. We don't do this. We failed here. But I don't know the path to bring it back. Run, run through some of your examples of how we've done this. Because sure. it's not that we've degraded the work ethic. We've degraded the generations and the Gen Z and the next one and the next one. I mean, I think to me that's a skill set that just you're not going to get it back. Well, I'll, I'll give you some examples that, you know, from North Dakota in the last 10, 15 years that, you know, I've experienced firsthand and it's allowed other people and other people too, right? So we, you know, we're, we're in the content business, you know, we're in the distribution business. So we go out and try to create original content. We try to distribute, you know, we've got 600,000 social media followers. We got 20 some radio stations. We've got several magazines that really carry our content on a regular basis. That used to be something of value. Now, with the, the way they're printing money and the way they're doing their network synergy, they, they, they don't care about distribution because they just keep throwing money at the same things. And I'll give you an example. So back in 2000, I want to say 14-ish time, the cameras weren't quite at the point where we're at today. And neither was Zoom and neither was remote type of things. Well, I've actually had a remote office since the year 2000. So I'm way ahead of the curve. 
I've been off the grid with my office for over two years, so way ahead of the curve. I predicted negative oil before it happened, way ahead of the curve. I was calling energy or oil and gas energy. The industry leaders were getting upset with me because I should have been calling it oil and gas, not energy. The same people who are getting mad at me were now trying to educate me a year later like, oh, you got to remember to have energy. Oh, really? Okay. So when you were telling me the exact opposite last year and getting mad at me because I wouldn't conform to your ways, where are we at today? So back when we first started out, we actually hired photographers because we believe in job creation. We believe in economic activity. Yeah, I could have done everything myself. But that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to create opportunities for others. So I hired a professional photographer. I bought the license to the photos, and he also then could resell those photos too. Well, of course, you know how North Dakota operates. They reach out to you, and then you go do a story on them, and that sort of thing. They like to centralize things. Well, we did a feature on Brian Kalk. This is just one example here. So we did a feature on Brian Kalk. And we did a story. I think it was in three different magazines. It was in the Bismarck Tribune. We aired it on our radio shows. We aired it on our podcast. I mean, he must have got several months worth of activity. Well, then all of a sudden, and I didn't know this until about four or five years later, that Rob Lindbergh with Back the Bakken, which was not a nonprofit, although they were, they were advertising that they were a nonprofit, but if you went to the Secretary of State, Back the Bakken was never even registered as a nonprofit, even though they were advertising they were. So Rob Lindbergh with Back the Bakken grabbed our photograph of Brian Kalk and redid the story how they wanted and distributed that story with our photograph that we own. So I actually called the photographer and I said, hey, did Back the Bakken or Rob Lindbergh or Brian Kalk ask you for permission? And he goes, no, I thought you did. So the photographer got mad at me for five years because he thought I was out there giving the okay for his copyrighted stuff and I was profiting off of a one-time use. So he didn't talk to me for five years. That's the type of crap that North Dakota does. They just take whatever they want. And by the way, if you try to complain or you try to talk to somebody about it, they get mad at you, and they make sure that they make your life a living hell. And I'll tell you what, it is destroying the work ethic in the state off of their sheer entitlement. Oh, should I be grateful that you chose me to use and abuse? Should I be grateful that you're creating rifts with other people trying to make a living. By the way, the photographer is not in the photography business anymore. Too many people are taking his photographs and not paying them. People like <laughs> Rob Lindbergh. Yeah. Uh, so he's, not, he's no longer in the industry. Thank you, North I Dakota. Another, I know another photographer in that same boat. That's uh, And they're doing uh, it to film right now, too. Look what, and, and by the way, flash forward to today, Department of Commerce is killing that industry. Again, the knowledge worker industry, they are picking and choosing winners, giving people, in this case, 24 photographer, videographers signed a letter of disgust against the Department of Discrimination led by Josh Keegan 
picking a part-time person who's working at the University of Mary, who, again, says, I'll become a nonprofit if you give me $600,000. Disgusting. Josh Deegan, you should be ashamed of yourself. Tim Schmidt, you should be ashamed of yourself with your Department of Discrimination. That's how you do business in North Dakota. You become a nonprofit. You become a soulless individual. Sold out. S-O-U-L-E-D. Well, there might be two L's. Let's go with one. <laughs> I guess. No, it's just one. It's just one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boy. I tell you, what a show today, Steve. It's all so, about the love on Valentine's Day. It is. It's all about the love, my friend. Uh, it's, uh, you're up, we're up against a break here, but uh, uh, you had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Robert Bryce and do an interview. Um, it, we're going to air that coming up next. Give uh, our listeners a little background of the interview and how you had this opportunity. Absolutely. So Robert Bryce has been a frequent guest on The Crude Life. He was just in Bismarck a couple of weeks ago. He spoke, he spoke at Epic. He was the keynote speaker, I think, at Epic. Uh, he just released uh, Juice, the docu-series. It's a five-part uh, energy series. I, I think everybody, in fact, I think it should be required viewing by everybody in Congress. It does such a fantastic job of explaining why oil and gas is important, why nuclear energy is important, why reclamation and understanding the environment is important and why we have to watch out for this environmental movement. He's a former journalist. He's out of Austin, Texas. Uh, but like I said, he, is, uh, he was in Nebraska. They brought him in at the, uh, co- uh, the, the electric co-op union. And then, of course, uh, Epic brought him in because he's, he is, he's, a, he's very pro-oil and gas, but he's not, you know, tribal. He can have a conversation with other people about the realities of energy. Great guy. He's written five books. Uh, Trust is a big one. He wrote the book on Enron. He was one of the ones that broke the Enron stuff. So he's, you know, he's he's a great guy. Just a great guy. And um, does his uh, own podcast as well. So he's he's got a great podcast uh, center. A lot of other pieces as well and how they need to work. Uh, we had an opportunity to have him on the program uh, during Epic when uh, we were broadcasting from there. So uh, uh, looking forward to this interview. Uh, like I said, you had an opportunity to sit down with him uh, and uh, put this interview together. So a great, great, great uh, piece. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Jason, always fun, my friend. Uh, this has been Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. You can catch Jason Spees on The Crude Life Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. You have a happy Valentine's Day, my friend. You too. Share the love, my brother. (laughs) This is Talk of the Town on a Wattage Wednesday on Super Talk 1270. To Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. All right, let's head over to the Zoom line where we have Mr. Robert Bryce on the line with us. He's an energy expert. He's a speaker. He's a writer. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's an all-around good guy. How are you doing today, Mr. Robert Bryce? Hi. Uh, great. I'm doing great. Thanks uh, ha- Thanks for having me. Now, be careful on that expert line. My dad uh, said an expert's anybody from out of town. So I, I just oh, generally, <laughs> generally by, call by myself. By the way, we're friend. also being joined by uh, Stephen Hines, who also is a uh, energy expert. And the way I use expert is the same way I use genius. You just have to know 1% more than the person sitting next to you. <laughs> That's it. Genius. <laughs> And in today's day and age, it doesn't take much to be a genius. Yes, well, right. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. So let's get right to the uh, meat and potatoes of the interview, the juice of the interview. Of course, juice. Is it uh, the website, of course, robertbryce.substack.com. 
Com. But we have a new docu-series that we want to talk about that involves the grid. It's uh, called Juice. And what's the name of the website? Uh, so, yes, it's a five-part uh, docu-series about the electric grid. It's called Juice, Power, Politics, and the Grid. And it's available for free. I said free. Yes, free. F-R-E-E, free. JuiceTheSeries.com. JuiceTheSeries.com. We have a lot of content there. All the episodes are available on YouTube. But the easiest way to find it is JuiceTheSeries.com. Did I mention JuiceTheSeries.com? Hey, yes, you did. You had, okay. a great, you had a great cast of characters, by the way. Thank you. Yes, uh, I, it, with the, I'm, I'm really proud of the project. It took a long time, but my colleague Tyson Culver put it together. He did a great job. But yes, we have over 30 on-camera interviews with people from all over the world, and uh, uh, I think it came out really well. I'm really proud of it. Well, and you didn't have to narrate it. I think I heard your voice once in the you know in the whole series. So yeah, you let you know your guests do the you know tell the story. Yeah, we did that as much as we could because we thought you know we. It, we the grid is a complicated subject, right? And rather than having a, a lecture, we thought, well, let's let these people tell the story as much as we possibly can. So we kept the voiceover to uh, to an absolute minimum, and I think that made for made it for a stronger project. What I liked about it is that you know each part kind of represented its own niche part or subcategory of of what the grid really represents. Right. Uh, Stephen, he's watched it a couple times already. He calls me. He's like, have you seen this part of this episode and everything else? So um, t- talk to me about episode one. G- give the audience an idea. If they're going to go watch episode one, what are they in store for? Sure. So episode one is the we call the Texas meltdown. And it, it we start with the winter storm Uri in, in 2021 for a number of reasons. One is um, it really is the reason why my colleague Tyson Culver and I uh, made this project. And again, due credit to Tyson for all the work he did on it. He directed it and put together all the different elements and did just a fantastic job. But he and I were both blacked out here in Austin uh, in 2021. And after, you know, everything, you know, we got power back on and we started talking and we heard about what had happened at ERCOT and how close ERCOT, the Texas grid, almost came, you know, almost collapsed within four or five minutes of collapse, which would have been a calamity unlike anything else that has ever hit the state. And so we thought about that. And then we thought, you know, the more we learned, we realized, oh, well, the grid across the country is being fragilized. So episode one really it lays it out. What is the grid? Why did this happen in Texas? And we interviewed Meredith Angwin, who I think is just an amazing and elected self-published her own book, Shorting the Grid. And and we lay out the case for what is the grid and, and why is this happening? And it's about incentives. We're, we're, you know, show as Charlie Munger famously said, show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. And we're, we're all the incentives are for more weather-dependent generation, and that's the wrong way to go. You know, uh, I, I tried to find your numbers as far as munis and publicly traded utilities. Can you go through those numbers? They're just staggering, staggeringly complex. Sure. Well, and this is one of the other things that motivated us to do this project is that the electric grid is in, an incredibly complex thing. And I, in fact, I wrote about it on my Substack, robertbryce.substack.com. Uh, and I did 10, I, the electric grid explained in 10 charts. And it was a pretty successful posting because it is incredibly complex. But here are the numbers, Stephen. So the we have over 3,000 different electricity providers in America. The U.S. has the most diffused ownership of its electric grid of any country in the world, and it's not even close. So we have 800, 900 cooperatives. We have um, uh, almost uh, around 2,000 publicly owned uh, utilities like an Austin Energy here in Austin, which the city owns it. 
Um, there are about, oh, 180 or so investor owned utilities. Then you have the federal agencies like t- uh, t- Tennessee Valley Authority and Bonneville and Western Area Power Administration. And then in California, you have these community choice aggregators, which are, you know, a whole other bastard set subset of the, of the system. But again, it is an incredibly complex system that's then overseen by the RTOs, by state public utility commissions, some by FERC. Um, it's just an insanely complex system and it's a wonder it all works, but it does. And one of the reasons why we made this film, why we made this docuseries is we wanted people and policymakers to understand how important it is, how it's being undermined and why we ignore this fragility at our extreme peril. You know, one of the uh, things, go ahead, Stephen. Sorry. Uh, emeritus uh, quote of the, well, actually, um, there are other quotes, but, um, her quote about uh, facts intruding on the narrative is just simply as good as it gets on the uh, uh, on the climate narrative. Yeah, well, that? and and that's the thing that we try and make the clear point of that. This is a pro nuclear docu series. Let me be very clear. We come out as a pro and on a pro nuclear stance because. If we're serious about CO2 emissions, we have to be serious about nuclear. And so uh, that was one of the other motivations is we we had we know we, we knew we needed to tell this story. But um, it, but it's not the only reason we did this. And uh, I'll just brag, maybe jump ahead. Episode three is my favorite episode because I'm from Oklahoma, I have deep roots in Oklahoma. And we tell the story of the Osage tribe and their battle against the wind industry. And what was the longest running battle against wind energy, longest running legal battle against wind energy in American history? And in December, the Osage tribe won a landmark ruling in federal court that requires NL, the Italian company, to remove all 84 turbines that are installed in Osage County, Oklahoma, in violation of the tribe's mineral rights. So, you know, we we, we weave together a lot of stories, and uh, I know there are a lot of people listening, and I want you to watch all the series, all five episodes, but I'm just flagging episode three because... Uh, my great uncle Ernie Rapp was a member of the Osage tribe. Uh, my uh, he was born in Fairfax, Oklahoma, in 1909. He saw the front the 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 reign of terror himself. My cousin owns a head right in the Osage tribe, so um, I'm, I just wanted to point that out because it's one of the things that in this docu series that was is is very heartening to me uh, on a personal basis. Mr. Robert Bryce, we're going to take a brief pause. When we come back. We'll continue the conversation with Robert Bryce. Of course, you can check him out at robertbrice.substack.com juicethedocuseries.com as well, Juice the docuseries check it out, Robert Bryce is our guest, my name is Jason Spies this is Super Talk 1270's Talk of the Town 1270, welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270 Welcome back to Super Talk 1270's Talk of the Town. My name is Jason Spies. Just one more segment left here for this Wattage Wednesday. We'll get right back to our interview with Robert Bryce. Uh, Juice the Series is the website. Robert Bryce is the guest. Episode 3, which we were just talking about, is called The Green Dreams. And several weeks ago here on The Crude Life we had, um, in fact, on Talk of the Town in Bismarck, North Dakota, with the former mayor, Steve Bach, and we had on Jake Milney of Reviable Energy, and they had just done a little bit of uh, back and forth uh, consulting, I believe, with the Osage tribe involving some of their wind energy issues that they've been having there with the governments. Yeah. And that really brings up episode two to me, which is undermined by Enron. I, I, right now, one of the biggest issues I see 
with the energy companies, whether it's wind or solar or oil, gas, coal, it just seems like if someone produces energy, there's this mistrust out there. Nobody yeah. trusts any energy companies anymore. Is this a, a corporatocracy thing? Is this rooted by Enron? Talk to me a little bit about uh, that. And is that kind of what episode two is about? A little bit about kind of laying out some trust factors? Well, let me just a quick bit of background. So I've written six books um, and I'm proud of all of them. And my first book was on Enron. It was called uh, Pipe Dreams, Greed, Ego and the Death of Enron. It came out in 2022 as one of the first books. I'm not bragging here. I'm just telling the truth that for serious books that looked at what happened at Enron, why it failed. But here I am now, 22 years, 22 years later, I'm still talking about Enron. Why? Because Enron's influence over the electricity markets has been so deep. Um, Enron was the key promoter of this idea of what Ken Lay called restructuring. Well, it's deregulation, right, uh, by a different name. But the idea was that Enron, uh, that Enron was very successful in promoting was the idea of electricity as a commodity and not as a service. And it was a popular idea that gained traction with both Democrats and Republicans, right? The Republicans could say, oh, we're free market guys. We're going to let the market work, right? You know, we, and, and David Sibley, who was a senator at that time from Waco, a Texas senator at that time, said, well, you know, this is like a can of beans. If you don't, if beans is too expensive at one store, you can go down the street and buy a different can of beans. Well, Senator Sibley, all due respect, electricity ain't beans. And, but it was this misapprehension of the idea of what electricity is that's led to this you know, this lack of reliability. And where did Enron start? They started in the, in the UK under Thatcher, under Thatcherism and this idea we're going to deregulate the business. And they did. Then they went to California. Then they came to Texas. So there's this progression that we talk about it, how to, how, what Enron's effect has been. And then we use, we, we interviewed the former chief quant at Enron, uh, Vince Kaminsky. He's in the film. But this idea that you can just treat electricity as any other commodity is one that still haunts the industry today. And it is a, a real problem and um, it's not easily fixed. And it's something that is, you know, or in ERCOT, they're still trying to figure out, Oh, how do we incent new generation without, you know, uh, favoring the market this way or the other. And, and it's, 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 it's in, it's be, the, the restructuring, the deregulation just resulted in this massive increase in complexity. Well, California has never been the same, Robert. California is a disaster, and it's it just the it, it's providing an example for what not to do. Since 2008, when when uh, uh, Schwarzenegger mandated renewables on the grid in California, electricity prices in the state have gone up a rate three times faster than the rest of the U.S. It's been an absolute un, un, unequivocal disaster for the consumer, and yet there were you know this administration unfortunately seems to be in the thrall of the California model. Speaking of that, what do you think about the events over the last day or so? Oh, what the 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 flooding and the rain? I don't, you know, I don't know about that. Or, or are you talking about? I, I'm talking Biden? about the uh, uh, press conference last night, oh. but also the uh, court decision out in Washington D.C. with Michael Mann. Yeah. Well, how much time do we have here, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I tell you what, though that that well. We can fold that back into Juice the Series, which we're talking about here with Robert Bryce. You know, you start talking about uh, Green Dreams, the industrial cathedral. You know, we kind of looked at a different spin with the um, with the crude life, which is the industrial forest. We looked at it more like it takes an industry to build a forest because all these nonprofit eco people keep killing the forests. If we actually work together and 
talked to some oil and gas companies, some coal companies about some of the positives they've done with reclamation. Well, we might learn a few things from there. Talk about that episode five, if you will. What is, you know, that industrial cathedral in your eyes? Sure. Well, let me just preface it, if I could, by just talking for a minute about episode uh, four, because when we think about the nuclear comeback, and we do, and this is one of the focal points, where is this happening? Where Where is nuclear, the renaissance, really happening? It's happening in Canada. And this sets the stage for episode five. So just indulge me for just another minute. So in episode four, we went to Canada. We interviewed Chris Kiefer, Dr. Chris Kiefer, who's just this very compelling character. He's a giant. He's six feet, nine inches tall. He's an, he's an, an emergency room doctor in Toronto. He's a recovering leftist. And he has this incredible personal journey, a conversion story, really, where he thought nuclear was bad as a, you know, when he was a kid and young, young man. And then he realized, no, if we're serious about climate change, serious about pollution, air pollution, we have to be serious about nuclear. So he became the leading advocate for nuclear energy in Canada and not single handedly. He had a lot of people working with him, but he helped it catalyzed this change in conversation in Canada about nuclear energy. And now, uh, just in the last few days, they've announced the refurbishment of the nuclear reactors at Pickering, which was not planned. Uh, the Ontario uh, power generation is going to double, I think, the scale or the size of the uh, – it might not be doubled, but they're going to dramatically expand the Bruce Power Station, which is the largest nuclear power plant in the world. Um, so this 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 turnabout in Canada and the fact that Canada has such strong government involvement in their nuclear sector and the power sector, ha, Canada is showing the rest of the world. Well, this is how you're gonna. This is if you want to you want a template. This is how it works. So that leads us directly to in, uh, industrial cathedrals, which my friend uh, is a phrase that might was coined by my friend Emmett Penny, um, who's also in the film and does a great job. You know, he's a compelling character and very likable guy. Um, uh, you know, he's got big tats and he's a bald-headed guy. He's a power lifter. You know, he's just this kind of interesting character. But he's a he's the editor of Grid Brief and, a, you know, a good friend of mine. But he coined this idea of industrial cathedrals. And it's really about, the, the if I would paraphrase what he's saying, this idea of the power plant, the nuclear power plant, as our modern industrial cathedral. It's the apogee of our civilization. It's the best we can do. It's the thing that we think about, you know, when you think long-term, what's longer-term thinking than what's required to build a cathedral and that's the uh, analogy that uh, that uh, Emmett makes. And so it's a very apt one because when we think about the grid, when we think about affordability, resilience, reliability, we need long-term thinking, and, we ha- and, and we're plagued by short-term thinking. Thank you, Mr. Robert Bryce. Of course, you can check him out on Substack, robertbryce.substack.com. Juice the docu-series. Juice the docu-series. My name is Jason Spies, Steve Bakken, back tomorrow. This has been Super Talk 1270's Talk of the Town. So you've been audited. I'm Daria Aldinger with today's tax tip. You filed your return and you assume all is well, and then you get a letter from the IRS informing you that your return will be audited. The Internal Revenue Service accepts most federal tax returns as filed. However, the IRS examines or audits some returns to determine if income, expenses, and credits are being reported accurately. IRS spokesman Anthony Burke says don't panic. If your return is selected for examination, it does not suggest that you made an error or are dishonest. Read the letter, and if you think you'll need representation, talk to a tax prep pro. Burke also says it may not turn out to be bad news. Some audits even result in the taxpayer's favor, and the IRS sends the taxpayer a refund. You'll find more information about audits and how to handle them on the IRS website, irs.gov, or the IRS app, irs to go With today's tax tip, Daria Albinger, ABC News. Super Talk 1270. 
This week we are talking about ways to become more interesting. We all wish we were more interesting and it's a goal that you can easily achieve. Yesterday we talked about being more curious and being a better listener and how that will make you more interesting. I'll share another tip with you in just a second. This is Dr. Michael Garko for Strauss Naturals. It is not until they have urinary flow or urinary tract problems that men really pay attention to their prostate. Rather than wait for problems to occur, I recommend Strauss Naturals Prostate Support Drops. The Prostate Support Drops is a blend of naturally sourced herbs to support a healthy prostate, urinary system, and urinary flow. All Strauss Natural products are backed by 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit StraussNatural.com to learn more and order the Prostate Support Drops today. Another great way to become more interesting is to expand your comfort zone. If you're not comfortable with some body of knowledge, that's what you should be studying. When I was 18, I wanted to date a girl named Ellen, and she was an art history major. I started learning about art and went to some museums with her to just try to, you know, date her. I ended up becoming more interesting because of it, and I've had hundreds of conversations in the subsequent years about art history. Learn things that are new, and you will become more interesting. Talk of the Town, weekday morning starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. AM Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio.